out everybody another beautiful day that the Lord has made let us be glad and rejoice in it I had a pretty good day today um, I had to deal with the traffic in Miami I had to run a little Ed down there uh, for his last visit with Dr. Ragged uh, Dr. Ragged's re- uh, retiring the end of this year so um, but he had to go down there for a checkup and everything so we went down there and took care of that today this is a interesting dealing with all that traffic um, not very fond of Miami, <laughs> so not one of my favorite places to be. But anyways, uh, God took care of us. He kept us safe down there and everything. He protected us. I thank God for that. I thank Him for His, his uh, hand of protection and for shielding us and keeping us safe out there on that road and, and everything. Um, you know, that's one of the little things that we take for granted. We don't. A lot of us don't think half the time that God's protecting us and shielding us from things that could happen while we're out there driving down, you know, a busy highway and stuff. But, you know, it's just it's one of those little things we need to make sure we thank God for and everything. But, um, yeah, it was a good day. Got back at a decent time and everything. But, um, but uh, <clears throat> I'm coming, with, coming to you tonight with another video on teachings from the trees. Um, so if you... If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. I'm going to start with verse 11. I'm going to read all the way to verse 24. And um, But I'm going to start with verse 11. So um, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn there, you can. Or you can reference back to it later on. Um, but verse 11 says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah, that pertained unto Joash the Abazarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for another opportunity, Lord, to get on here, Lord, get on Facebook and teach your word. And God, I ask you to use me tonight as your vessel, Lord. Give me the words that you'd have me to say that that it'll go forth and help somebody, Lord. That I want this to be about you, God, not about me. And I need you, Lord, to, to give me the words to say and help me, Lord, to bring this teaching forth the way that you revealed it and showed it to me, God. And, Lord, I thank you for that, Lord. And if there's anybody out there listening tonight, Lord, that's, that's hurting in their body or that's sick, God, I ask you, Lord, to touch them and heal them and visit them, Lord Jesus, with your healing virtue, God, and touch their bodies, Lord. And I thank you for it, God. And, and I thank you, Jesus, for everything, Lord. Jesus' name I pray, amen. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Oprah, that pertained unto Joash a Bazarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Gideon was hiding behind he was hiding behind the wine hiding by the wine press. Hiding he was hiding away from the Midianites as he threshed the wheat. Because he didn't want the Midianites to come and take the wheat from him. And while he was doing that, an angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the oak, the oak tree there close to the wine press. And he sat there. But the, what I want to touch on tonight is the angel of the Lord that sat under the oak. Um, the word Lord in the Hebrew, because this is the Old Testament, so it come from a Hebrew, Hebrew word. The definition and everything was in the Hebrew. And the word Lord there... When it said, and the angel of the Lord, it means Jehovah, or the self-existent one, the eternal. 
basically it means it references God Himself, the you know the self-existent one and the eternal one and Lord Jehovah. So Jehovah, all right, the angel, the angel of Jehovah sat underneath the oak. But the word angel has a meaning of ambassador or angel or king. Okay, so king. Now thinking about the king, who's the king of kings? You know, and uh, so thinking about the word angel of the Lord, meaning the king of the Lord sitting underneath the oak tree. All right, and there's a reason I'm saying that because as I get deeper into this, this uh, few passages of the scripture here, you'll see what I'm talking about. But he sat underneath an oak tree waiting for Gideon to pass by. And when Gideon passed by, and he called out to him, if you look right here in verse 12, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. In other words, he revealed himself, showed himself to Gideon as Gideon walked, you know, as Gideon walked by him. And it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. So he called out to him and told him, The Lord is with you. Hey, you mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. And got his attention. And when Gideon turned and saw him, he said it, it says, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then then why? I want to stop right there for just a second. It says, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord. And here's here's what I want to show you. When he said, O my Lord, my Lord in Hebrew is this particular one right here where it says my Lord has a different meaning than what it says later on. But it says, it, says, it means Ad, Adon, Adon, which uh, references the word Adonai. Okay, Adon, which means sovereign, sovereign or sovereign, sovereign one, controller, lord, and master. So he referenced him as, as Adon, or meaning sovereign, or meaning Lord or Master, when he turned and looked at him. And he said, so basically he would say, Oh my, oh my, he would said, Oh my Master. <clears throat> and he said, Gideon said unto him, Oh my Master, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? He asked him a question, Why is all this happening? Why are we having problems with the Midianites if the Lord is with us? And he was referencing Israel when he was saying this. He said, if the Lord is with us, then why is all this happening? Why is the Midianites coming and taking stuff from us? Why is the Midianites running us over? Why are we having problems with all these other people if you are with us, if the Lord is with us? But he didn't reference it as him being with them. He said, if the Lord be with us. Okay? And he says, why then has all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers have told us of, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? He was asking, you know, well, where's all these miracles that our fathers had happened? Or that was, you know, that they've been telling us that you've done, or that God has done, that the Lord has done. You know, delivering us out of Egypt, parting the Red Sea, and all these different miracles that the Lord has done for us. Then why is He not still doing this? Why is all these things still happening to us? Why are we facing all these perils and stuff that's going on? It says, but now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So he said, the Lord's gone. He's forsaken us. He's left us. So he's basically turned us over to the Midianites to have, you know, to do whatever they want to with us. The Lord has left us. He's gone. He's forsaken us. If he's with us, he's not here because he's not doing anything. That's basically what Gideon was saying here. 
And then at verse 14, it says, And the Lord looked upon him. So here's what I want you to catch when it says the Lord looked upon him. There was a special way that the Lord suddenly looked at Gideon. And it, the, it, he was already looking at him. He was already talking to him. He's already standing there in front of him. But now he looked at him with a certain a certain way he looked at him. And it says, uh, it says, The Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. He told him, He said, Go in this thy might. In other words, the might that I'm fixing to give you. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Now remember, it said this. It said the angel of the Lord was sitting on the oak. But now it's saying, I have sent thee. The Lord talking to him that says, And the Lord looked. Okay, the Eternal One, the um, self-existent Jehovah looked upon him, right, and told him that I have sent, I, me, have sent thee. So, referencing that and looking at it from that perspective, it was God sitting there on that underneath the oak that was talking to him face to face and speaking with Gideon. And it says, And he said unto him, O my Lord, but here's I want, to, I want you to catch this. Remember over here in verse 12, it said, or not verse 12, in verse 13, he said, O my Lord. But right here in verse 15, he said it again. He says, O my Lord. But when you look in the Hebrew to see what that's saying there, now he's saying Lord with a different tone in his voice. Because if you look at the definition of that, it says, now it's Adonai or Adonai, which is emphatic of the, is the emphatic form of the other Hebrew word Adon, which means he's putting more emphasis into it. He's saying it in a way to where now it's, it's he's expressing special importance on the word Lord. So when he said, "Oh, my Lord," meaning he's referencing him now, he's seeing him for who he is, because now he told him, "I." Have, have not I sent thee? So he's saying that I'm Jehovah sitting here in front of you. He revealed himself to him. When he looked at him in that certain way and looked at him, looked upon him, he revealed himself who he was standing before him. So now he references him as being, as being God manifested in the flesh standing there in front of him. Because in the Old Testament, Jesus was seen all through the Old Testament. Remember, uh, coming up on Jericho, Joshua and the Israelites seen him as they were approaching Jericho, fixing to take the city of Jericho. The captain of the Lord's host was standing in front of Joshua. That was Jesus manifested in the flesh. He revealed himself to people all through the Old Testament and everything. But this time he's revealing himself to Gideon and speaking with Gideon beneath the, beneath the oak tree. Gideon has a, had a visitation from the Lord under the oak. And that's why I reference this title or titled this tonight as being visitation under the oak or visitation beneath the oak because Gideon had a visitation from the Lord from the Lord God himself beneath the oak tree and he said here when he said oh my Lord he was referencing him as being Jehovah sitting there in front of him now he's expressing the Lord the name the word Lord with it with a special emphasis on it as as to say that he now he's referencing him for who he is a special importance of value of, or value, special value on the word Lord now. So he said, Oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least, the least of my father's house. 
He basically done the same thing that Moses did out in the wilderness when Moses encountered God on Mount on Mount Sinai, and he was saying, "Who am I that you're going to send me?" And Gideon was saying the same thing, "Who am I that that you're going to send me to go do this? Who am I? I'm the least person in my father's house." Meaning, there's others in my father's house that's of greater stature or better than I am, but yet you choose me to go do this mighty thing that, that you're going to have me do it. You know, who, who am I that you're going to have me go to perform this? And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be, surely I, I, the Lord, me, will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the hands, or thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Basically, he was telling he was telling Gideon here, you alone can smite the Midianites because I, the Lord, am with you. Now, if this was an angel, if this was just an angel of the Lord standing here talking to Gideon, then you know, um, for one, I don't believe that that um, the <laughs> the angel would have spoke to him in that way. This was God speaking to to Gideon. It was God telling Gideon that you will smite the, all of the Midianites because I am with you. The Lord I, the Lord God am with, is with you. And the way that he referenced the Lord and the way he spoke to him and said, you know, put more emphasis on the, the word Lord when he said it the second time, there was something different there. And I believe, like I was saying, it was a revelation of the Lord that was revealed to Gideon at the time underneath the oak tree while he was speaking with him. So in looking at that, the special visitation that Gideon had, but yet he still questioned himself and still questioned the Lord about being able to do it. We all know what Gideon went through. He had to have the two fleeces two separate times to get proof that God was with him. But then God took the army that he was going to take and narrowed it down to 300 men to go take thousands and thousands of men in the valley that was sitting there waiting. Remember, the, the Midianites were as their, their camels and the whole army down in the valley was like just covering the ground down there just when they looked down from the hill down upon them and they were extremely outnumbered but yet God took Gideon and 300 men and slaughtered the Midianites there in the valley you know it's just it's an awesome thing what happened there but Gideon himself was questioning himself he was questioning God about choosing him because he said you know I'm, I'm not able to do this and just like we all aren't able to do what we the things we do for God unless God helps us and that's what God was trying to get across to Gideon. He was trying to tell him, look, I'm going to help you do this. You're not going to do it. I'm going to do it for you because I'm going to work through you and perform what I'm asking you to do. All you got to do is be a, will a willing vessel and, and go and be willing to do what I ask you to do. Then I will perform it. I will make it happen by working through you. It's basically the point that, that, Gideon, that God was trying to get across to Gideon. You know, and he told him, he said, surely I will be with thee. And thou shalt smite. In other words, you will smite all the Midianites as one man. Meaning you alone as one man will go in and do this. Because I'm going to enable you to do this. Personally, I don't even believe, I don't, personally, I don't believe Gideon even needed the army. If he would have just listened to God and done what God told him, he could have went through there and done it himself. Because the God would have enabled him to do it. Think about what Samson did. Samson killed thousands of men with a, with a jawbone from a donkey. You know, he went through and, and slaughtered all those all those Philistines with a jawbone. Just one man. So think about what Gideon could have done with the with the hand of the Lord upon him if he would have just had enough faith in God and believed and trusted God to use him for what he said he was going to use him for. Because he told him, I will do this. You will do this thing. 
because I'm going to help you to do it. I'm going to enable you to do what you are fixing to do. So, and he said unto him, this Gideon replying back to God, he said, and it says, and he said unto him, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. So he was basically telling God, he's saying, he's saying, if you, he's saying, if I, if I have found grace in your sight, in other words, if you look down upon me and, and you are willing to help me perform this, if I have gained that in you, then show me a sign. Basically, he was telling him, I got, I got something I want you to do to prove this to me, is what he was saying. And the reason I say it that way is because he wasn't asking him to, to uh, move, the comp, move the dial back on the compass 10 degrees or the sundial 10 degrees and, and all that like Hezekiah did or, or to uh, you know, um, do other things. And he wasn't asking him about the fleece at this point. And there was other people in the Bible that asked God to give me a sign to show me proof, to prove this to me and, and all this. And that, that this is truly you telling me this. But instead he said, he said, hang on a minute, wait right here. That's what he tells him in the next verse because he wants to go get something and bring it back and to prove that this is God standing here in front of him, speaking with him. And it says, depart not thence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present, He's going to bring a present to him and set it before thee. And he and he said, I will tarry until I come again. God told him, I'll wait right here. You go you go get it and come back. I'll be right here when you get back here. So basically he was wanting to go to his house for a minute, prepare something and bring a gift back to God sitting there under the oak. Now, if this was just an angel standing here talking to him, I, I think that the um, he wouldn't have had he wouldn't have wanted to go get what he's going to get and bring back to him to, to show him something here. And um, so I'm going to get to that in just a second. But um, Because if it was an angel standing there, then he wouldn't have went back to get what he got to bring it back. He went to get a present to bring back and give to him or a gift to give to him. But in the next few verses, these gifts, he wouldn't have went and got it and brought it back for an angel. My opinion, he wouldn't have went and got it and bring it back for an angel to perform this. Because he, he knew this was God standing in front of him. It says in the, <clears throat> says and Gideon went and made a, made ready a kid, which is a lamb, and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour. The flesh he put in a basket, and he put forth, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it out out unto him under the oak, and presented it. So he went and got a meat sacrifice, is what he did. He went and got a meat sacrifice to bring back to God sitting under the oak. He went and got the meat sacrifice, he brought it back underneath the oak and presented it to him. He gave it to him. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon the rock, upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. And he told him, he said, Set it down on the rock and pour out the broth on it. And, and set it down there. And, and, you know, you're presenting it to me, you're giving it to me. But what he done next, we all know in the Old Testament, especially during, um, from Elijah and from the teachings of Moses in the, old, in the first five books of the Bible, that God is the one that brings the fire. All right? God's the one that rains the fire down from heaven to consume the sacrifice. Nobody else but God Himself, because if, if the two of the sons of Aaron died, God struck them dead because they, off, they put strange fire on the altar. In other words, they themselves lit the altar 
of the sacrifice. Instead of God calling, bringing fire down from heaven, they went and lit it themselves and they, God, God slew them right there for doing that because they disobeyed. See, God's the one that brings the fire. Now, it says, And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour, and pour out the broth. And he, said, and he did so. Then the, angel, then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. You see, when he touched it, the fire come up out of the rocks and consumed it. Okay? So if God if God was sitting on his throne in heaven and the angel touched the, the sacrifice, then the fire should have come down from heaven because God brings the fire and consumes the sacrifice. But instead, when the angel of the Lord touched the, the flesh on the rock and the cakes, the fire come from the rock and consume the sacrifice. Fire only comes from God. The fire that consumes the sacrifice only comes from God. So this was God standing here talking to him and speaking with him beneath the oak. And verse 22 says, And when Gideon perceived that he, that he was an angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, Oh, alas, O oh Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there, there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an Oprah of the Abazarites. He's seen an angel of the Lord and, and face to face. I believe he's seen God face to face. He's, he's seen the Lord face to face. And Jacob, remember, wrestled wrestled an angel of the Lord all night till the breaking of the day. And he asked him to bless him because he said, What do you want from me? And he said, Bless me. And the Lord blessed him and changed his name to to Israel. You know, and um, but throughout throughout all the Old Testament, we see Jesus manifested in the flesh, speaking to men and talking to them. And everything revealing revealing himself to him because in the New Testament it says that all through the Old Testament he is revealed all through the Old Testament through the entire Word of God we see we see Jesus through the entire Word of God and and God said that He said throughout the whole word throughout the the whole Word you know that He's in there but thinking about the visitation beneath the oak the visitation of the Lord beneath the oak. You know, the Lord wants to visit all of us, and He's He's all the time wanting to visit with people. And when you think about a sinner that that is that is running away from God, and they don't want nothing to do with God, God will leave the ninety-nine to go seek after the one. You know, He seeks after His sheep. He looks after His sheep. And I'm going to get, go into that verse here in a few minutes. But when He came down and He sat underneath the oak, and Gideon come walking by, He had a job for Gideon to do. And Gideon was willing to do what God asked him to do. He had, you know, a few things here and there that he had to have proof from God that God was going to do it, you know, and stuff. And God had to prove Himself to him, but he was still a willing vessel to do what God wanted him to do. But see, God came down and sat underneath the oak to search out and to seek after Gideon. He went after him to seek after him personally, to make a personal visitation with him. So when Gideon came walking by and he called out to him and he said. You know, are you willing to do what I'm asking you to do? Just like when when a when a sinner comes to church, somebody that's not saved, and they come to church and they sit on they sit on the pews and the, 
the worship's going on and the, the you know the glory of the Lord comes into the house, enters into the church, and the sinner sitting there on the pew and the preacher delivers the message under the anointing of the Lord that God's given him to deliver and it reaches out and it tugs at the heart of that sinner. That's that's the Lord coming down, seeking after that one sheep, that one lost sheep, willing to rescue him and save him. And all he's got to do is reach out and accept the salvation of the Lord when the Lord comes. You know, and it's 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 a it's an awesome thing, an awesome way to look at it. But we have visitations from the Lord, not just under an oak tree. It was just this particular passage of scripture that I wanted to use to bring this out of a visitation that we have from the Lord when He comes your way, when He comes after you, comes seeking after you, and everything. And, and it's just an awesome thing. But you see, when He came to Gideon, and He began to speak to Gideon, He was reasoning with Gideon. And he was talking to him. He's telling him, look, look, Gideon, I have a job for you to do. You know, I've come here seeking after you because I have something that I need you to do. I need you to go and prepare to go and take on the Midianites because I'm going to enable you to do it. And as he was talking to him, they were reasoning together. And he was trying to get Gideon to see from his perspective what, what Gideon is capable of doing with the help of the Lord. So it was a reasoning, they were talking, they were discussing the situation. He was discussing the situation with Gideon. And in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18, the Lord says here, it says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be, be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they, will, they shall be as wool. So he's saying, come reason together. It's like when he's tugging on the heart of a sinner sitting there in the pew of the church. When he's tugging and drawing at his heart, he's wanting them to come to the altar and reason together. Because God, when they come to the altar and they reason with God and they talk to God, God shows them that He's got a better way for them. He's got a better life for them to live. You know, and, and He's got He has a better way for all of us. The life of sin is just the reward of it is death, and you know, death, hell, and the grave. And we we if we die lost without God, then we go to a devil's hell, and we end up end up there for all, all eternity but you see when we come to the altar and God reasons with us and he reasons and he shows us that he's got a better way for us he's got a be something better a better thing ahead a better life to live you know we can live happier and live live uh, uh, more um, live a more prosperous life spiritually you know knowing that we have one day a special reward in heaven where we'll have eternal life with God and we'll no longer have to deal with the things that we have to deal with here. We no longer get sick, no longer have sorrow, no longer have bad things happen, no longer have you know lose our pets to and stuff, and, and no longer lose our loved ones to car accidents and and all the different things that we have happen here, and have to worry about financial problems or or have to worry about things breaking down, and we have to to pay to have them repaired when when we have you know already having enough problems already, and we have other circumstances come on. To where it just seems like it's everything being attacked and pulled and, and torn from all sides, from every direction, is what we face in this life here. And, you know, without God, that's a horrible thing to have to face those things. And how somebody could say that they had it better off living a, a life of sin without God, and now that they become a, a Christian, now they, they seem to have more problems. No, that's just a lie from the pits of hell that the devil's trying to instill in your head. God's got better things ahead. We See, we're not... We're not supposed to be uh, focusing on 
having our forever life here because this life is going to pass away. What we need to focus on more and push towards and press towards having rewards at is over in eternity because one day we're going to step out of this life and step over into glory, step over into the eternal part of it, which that is where all of our rewards and everything should be placed at and where our focus should be as to saying, okay, well, I'm working for what's what's coming over there whenever I get over into heaven and get over into that eternal life because one day we're going to come back here for a thousand years and reign with the Lord for a thousand years here on the earth and then at the very end all things are going to pass away and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and I have said this before on here but the new earth is going to be for man man's going to dwell and going to have dominion over the new earth just like it was in the in the garden when it all began when God created Adam and Eve and he had them in the garden and he told them Go dominate the earth. The earth is yours. I formed this and I made it all for you. This is what I give you. This is yours. And he, and it was Adam's. Adam and Eve's. The earth belonged to them. But whenever they sinned and they fell short, they fell from grace. They fell from. They got kicked out of the garden. Then the dominion was taken taken from them by the devil. The devil ended up getting control of things because he stole it from man. But you see, then all of that, all that that happened, all that that took place. But you see, when when the new heaven and the earth gets here, we're going to have dominion over the earth. And I believe it's going to be just like it was in the garden when God come down during the cool of the day and commune with Adam. It's going to be that same that same way. But the earth is going to be for man. Heaven wasn't created for man. Heaven is for God and His angels. The earth is created for man. The dominion of the earth belongs to man, and all that's going to be given back and going to be given back to man. But it says, come now, let us reason together. You see, when when God comes to you and tugs at your heart and you come to Him, He's going to reason with you and tell you that He's got a better life for you. He's got something better for you. If you just just surrender to Him and, and put away sin and allow Him to change you and make you a new creature and make you a new creature in Him, then He will give you a better reward and a greater reward. And it's not it's not hard to to live for God. It's hard to run from God. It's easy to live for God. Whether you got a just look, here's the thing: you still get attacked either way. Okay, the world is not the world is is a, is hard on everybody, not just the Christians. You have you have people that that doesn't live for God that's haven't facing the same things that Christians are facing sometimes. But see, we have God to turn to when we have those things happen. But the sinner doesn't. The sinner, he'll come and ask, some sinners will come and ask a Christian person to pray for them instead of going themselves and seeking after God themselves, hitting the altar themselves and seeking the face of the Lord to try to get answers or try to get situations fixed for them. Instead, they would rather have somebody else do the the hard part, what they consider to be the hard part, is praying to God for them because they don't want to surrender to God. They're afraid God might change them, I guess. Um, I, I don't know what their mentality is or what their thinking is, you know, and, and why people run from God. I, I don't understand that either. I know I did it one time, but I, like I said, I don't understand why I did. Um, you know, God's awesome, and, and it's it's so much easier to live for the Lord than to live because you see, here's the thing: is I know that one day I'm going to have a heavenly reward waiting for me. All this old stuff here is going to pass away, but when I get whenever I step over into eternity, if I have, if I'm living my life for God to my best ability and when I step over into into eternity I know I'm going to have a reward from from the Lord waiting for me some greater things a greater life a greater you know everything's going to be greater it's going to be fantastic it's going to be awesome and I don't think there's a a uh, 
word in our vocabulary to explain how wonderful and how awesome it's going to be. But you have to allow God to change you. You have to go re- go to the altar and reason with Him. and Let Him show you. Let Him reveal to you that He's got a better thing. That He's got a better life. Let Him even show you just, just the feeling when the Lord comes over you and when he re- whenever He fills you with His Spirit. Just the feeling alone is proof. You see, people say, well, you know, how can you prove to me God is real? You know, and, you know, I mean, we can tell them, look, you know, He's real because I feel Him. I know that He's real. I, I, I feel, I feel Him, you know, in my life, and I can feel Him in my spirit. His spirit dwells inside of me, so I know God is real. But you see, when you try to explain that to them, they haven't experienced that. So if they haven't experienced that, then you, it's kind of hard to explain something that they haven't ever experienced. You can explain to a person that you know what pain feels like if they ever hit their thumb with a with a hammer and you hit your thumb with a hammer and you try and explain to them how bad it hurts and they've experienced that before then they know what that feels like. But if they never experienced the Lord changing them and experienced that salvation process of hitting the altar and praying through and getting baptized in the name of Jesus and getting filled with His Holy Spirit, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, they they don't know what that is because they haven't experienced it. So when you try to explain that to them, they can't really grasp a hold of it until they actually experience it. But you see, that's where the reasoning of God comes in. When you go reason together with the Lord, then He will show you personally these things and show you personally what He's got in store for you and and allow you to experience it firsthand. That's reasoning. Come and reason with the Lord. So He says, Come, let us reason together. Saith the Lord, Though your sins be as scarlet, so that so your life is so black and and full of sin and full of things and and though it, even though it's that bad, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad the sin is, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Just from a visitation of the Lord, visiting with Him and let, allowing Him to reason with you, He can change your life. He can change the life of the vilest sinner. And wash them clean and make them make them a, make them a whole new creature in, in Christ, and that's that's an awesome thing. That's just from a visitation of the Lord, just like with Gideon having a visitation there under the oak. Now over in Luke chapter nineteen, Luke chapter nineteen verse ten, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He comes to seek and to save that which is lost. Now think about the 99 sheep, the 100 sheep, the shepherd having 100 sheep, and one sheep goes astray. And the shepherd leaves that 99, the 99 sheep, he leaves behind to go search after that one, that one that's lost. You see, God came to the earth to save, to save the lost. That's what He came here for. Jesus came to the earth to save the lost. He came here to die on the cross to save mankind to save those that was lost they were lost in the garden when they when sin when Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord and ate of the forbidden fruit and sin depart sin separated man from God every man from that day forth was born into sin so they were born lost they were born lost from the Lord and as as it went on God had to pay a ransom he paid the ransom when he hung on the cross. He paid he paid the debt that was owed for the sin of man. So now, being as he paid that debt, he has redeemed us back to him. So the lost that are lost in sin, he has redeemed them back to him 
when he died on the cross. So he's paid that price. So now that he's paid that price, we belong to him. So if we're lost and he has to come seek after us and come search for us, that's what that means. He came to seek after the lost, to search them out, to find the ones that are lost so he could redeem them back to himself so he can save them. So now when he tugs at a sinner's heart, he's seeking after the lost. He's coming to save them. He's coming to redeem them back to him. And that's that salvation process. And that's he died on the cross for us for that so he could redeem us back to him. So he comes to seek after, came to seek after the lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek to seek and to save that which was lost. And then one last verse in Ezekiel chapter thirty-four. Ezekiel chapter thirty-four verse eleven says, "For for thus saith the Lord God: Behold, I, even I, will both search." my sheep and seek them out I will search my sheep and seek them out his sheep he'll seek after his sheep he'll find his sheep he'll search for them until he finds them that one sheep that went astray he'll lead the 99 to go find the one but each sheep that he has lost he's going to seek after he's going to go get them and redeem them back so when you when he visited Gideon underneath the oak tree Gideon was that lost sheep that was walking along and he looked to him and called him out and he called him out and said, i got a job for you to do. Just like today when he searches after people to go preach his word and to go minister to people or, or whatever he's called them to do, whether he's called them, called them to be a worship leader and or whatever the case might be, or prayer warrior, whatever he's called you to do, he seeked after, come on, he searched you He searched you out until he found you and pulled you in and pulled you into the sheepfold. He saved you. He redeemed you. He's seeking after the sheep that is lost until he finds them and brings them in. So he's going to keep dealing and dealing and dealing with people until they until they give in, until they say, Lord, I surrender to you, until they surrender to him. He's going to keep seeking after them and keep going after them, keep following them, keep trying to get them to... Just like with Gideon, Gideon kept asking and kept asking and kept asking. And the Lord kept telling him, I got it. I, I will take care of you. Here's a sign. I will show you. I will give you the sign. I will give you proof. Turn the fleece whichever way you want and ask for the water to be wherever you want it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to show you. And then I'm going to give you the sign. I'm going to put the water underneath the fleece and the rest of the ground will be dry. I'm going to show you all around the fleece that it's dry, but put the water on the, on the fleece. I'm going to show you these things, Gideon, because you ask so I can reveal it and show you that. So I'm going to prove to you that I'm going to do this. And then he narrowed it down to 300 men. Like I was saying, I believe he would have had Gideon do it himself, by himself. All right, because look, God God works in the miraculous. He does the miraculous things. He could take that one man and slay a million men with just one man, if that's what he chose to do. If Gideon would have said, "Yes, Lord, I believe. Here I am. Use me for whatever you want. Use me. I'm your. I'm a willing vessel. Step in me and perform what you need to perform through me, and I will do that." If he would have said that, I believe he would have taken the army out himself. Wouldn't even needed anybody else. And why? Because what the scripture says, as one man, you shall defeat the Midianites as one man, as by yourself, Gideon. But you see, as it went on, he had to have. He had, he kept asking. He kept questioning the Lord. Kept saying, Lord, is, you know, are you sure about this, God? Are Are you sure that I'm gonna that I'm gonna be able to do this? Give me another sign. I need just one more sign. That wasn't enough under the oak tree whenever I seen that it was you that I was speaking to. I, I need another one. I need just one more, Lord. Just one more sign. 
And a lot of times we question ourselves that way when God's trying to tell us something or wants us to do something, and we're like, God, are you sure that's are you sure that's what you want me to do? Lord, is this really you that's talking to me? Is this really you that's telling me that? Because I just, I'm not sure. I, I might feel out of place, or I might I might make a mistake. You know, and that we question them sometimes. It's like Gideon did. Gideon questioned it, questioned the whole pack. He said, Lord, I need just one more sign, one more sign, God. This this is a big army down there. This is a big army out there, Lord. Are you sure about this? Because it, you know, you you wanted me to do this. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can lead this army and do it. God sent all those men there, thousands of men, for him to use, and, and he kept narrowing it down and narrowing it down until he had three hundred men to fight against over a million man army down in that valley. The camels alone were out were outnumbered them. Just the camels, not to mention the soldiers and the footmen. And all that, the soldiers that rode on the horse, the soldiers that was on their feet, that was down in that valley, that great huge army that was sitting down there, that was go, that they were fixing to go down and take, and ended up doing it with 300 men because of him questioning God. But I believe it, I could, he could have done it himself if he wouldn't have questioned God. If he would have said, Lord, I'm here. Use me, God. You know, but instead, he had to question him. It's like when the Israelites were coming out of the coming out of the wilderness, fixing to go and take Jericho. They sent Moses sent the twelve men in there to spy it out. They went in. Ten of them come back with a bad report, saying, "I don't know, those guys are big. I don't think we can take them." But Caleb and Joshua said, "Surely we can take them because God's with us. We got God on our side. This ain't nothing for our God that we serve." But the other ten said, no, there's no way. They got us outnumbered. There's too many of them. And God ended up making them march around the wilderness for another 40 years to get the doubt out of the camp. To get the doubting ones out of the camp. Allowed them all to die off because they couldn't believe that God could do what He said He would do. God promised them that land. He told them, i got a land of milk and honey for you waiting. It's right there. All you got to do is go in and take it. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to do this for you. All you got to do is just be obedient and just go in and just march through the land and I'll take care of all of it. Instead, they couldn't believe that. The very one that parted the Red Sea for them to cross over. The very one that fed them manna from heaven while they were out in the wilderness because they were hungry. Gave them water from a rock. Come on, that's impossible. Water come from a rock? But God made it happen because God is a miracle worker. God is the one that can perform Whatever He says, whatever He chooses to do, He can do. All we have to do is have enough faith and believe. So if He calls us out and asks us to do something for Him, He's the one that's going to do it. All we got to do is be a willing vessel to carry Him inside of us, to allow Him to work through us to perform what He says He's going to do. Just like with Gideon, if he would have been a willing vessel and allow God to work, to step into him and work through him and perform what He wanted, it's God performing it. If we lay hands on a sick person and they're healed, it's not us that does it. It's not our hand that heals that person. It's not our flesh that heals it. It's the Spirit of the Lord working through us and coming through us and performing the miracle because we believe and trust that if we lay our hands on them and we pray for them that God is the one that's going to perform it. God is the one that's going to cause the miracle to happen. We have to believe that. We have to be willing to believe that. Be willing vessels to, to know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatsoever we could possibly ask or think. God is able to do it. 
He works in a realm to where he can do whatever he wants because he made, remember, he made the earth. He made it to do the way it does. He made everything. He spoke it all into existence. For all this to come from nothing is, is, is stupid. For all this to come from nothing and, and not be a, 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 you know, a mighty God out there that created all things, to think that there's not a God that created all things is very foolish thinking. Because there's no way that none of this can happen. There's no way that all this can be held together without God holding it all together. And all we have to do is believe. Believe that He's able to do exceedingly above, abundantly above whatsoever we could ask or think according to His riches and glory that works through us. We can do anything with the help of the Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We just have to believe that when we ask it, that He's going to perform it. That's what Gideon, all Gideon had to do was believe that God was going to use him to do what He said He was going to do. He didn't have to question God. God told him He was going to do it. He said, I will do this. I will help you. You're going to do this because I am going to help you do it, Gideon. And that's just like with us. When God says He's going to help us do it, He's going to help us do it because He said so. We're saved because He said so. All we have to do is accept Him and allow Him to change us, allow Him to make us a new creature in Christ. Surrender ourselves to the Lord. Say, Lord, here I am. God, use me. Lord, I'm willing. I'm a willing vessel, God. Wash me clean from my sins, Lord, and change my change me, change my life, change me into a whole new creature. Make me, Lord, who You want me to be. God, I surrender to You, Lord. Change me. Be a willing vessel. When you get that, when you receive that visitation from the Lord, reason with Him. Allow Him to reason with you. Allow Him to show you. Reason. Come, let us reason together, Lord. And it won't necessarily be under an oak tree. It may be at an oak altar. Maybe at a, a some other kind of wood altar. But if it's under an oak, it could be an oak altar. It could be oak pews you're sitting on that you kneel at. Whatever the case may be, you may be sitting in an oak pew and the Lord call on you. The Lord tug at your heart say, Come to me, my son. i got a better life for you. All you have to do is surrender to me. When he tugs at that heart and he draws at you and he pulls from that part inside of you that's seeking the Lord, that part inside of you, that God-shaped void that's living, that's inside each and every one of us. When he reaches and he tugs at that, and he's drawing you, he's, he's drawing you to a better life. He's trying to show you that he's got a better life. He's got a better thing for you to live. He's got something greater, something far greater for you than this what we have here. So when you receive that visitation from the Lord, take heed to it and say, God, I'm willing to reason with you, Lord. And allow Him to change your life. Allow Him to make a difference in your life. Because He can do it. All you have to do is believe. So allow Him to visit with you. Allow Him to come and change you. So I hope this helped you tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if it it helps you or if you got anything out of it if it was interesting or whatever if you think it'll help somebody if you have friends on your friends list that you think needs to see it or that, that might enjoy it or whatever help me get the word out share it um, share it so others can see and uh, and everything but um, 
visitation beneath the oak. I hope, I hope you got something out of this tonight. And um, so, if you haven't subscribed to my podcast, I have a podcast called Kevin Fryer Ministries. It's on Google, on Google Podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, um, and uh, can't remember a couple of the other ones, but it's out there on like four different podcasts things so um, you can subscribe to it and listen to it as well um, in mp3 format instead of video and uh, but hope you guys enjoyed this night and, um, and everything so tune in for the next one and I'll see y'all then love you guys God bless